Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. Well, I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live after all. It is live. Welcome to Volume 128 of Broadway Bullet. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and this is our fourth episode of Nymph Coverage. That is the New York Musical Theater Festival, if you've had your head in the sand. We've got five shows from the festival today. We've got Love Sucks, Bernice Bobs or Mullet, Petite Rouge, Unlocked, Jungle Queen Debutante, and uh, Marty Cooper talks on the, on the positive side, and we got some news and more. It's a jam-packed episode, I tell you, so I'm not going to waste any time. Let's jump in. On the boards. Relationships in love always come when you're not looking, and what better way for it to happen than to punk rock music? And that's what Love Sucks sort of deals with in this punk musical taking place at the New York Musical Theater Festival. We have got book writer Stephen O'Rourke and music and lyric writer Brandon Patton here with us. How are you guys doing today? Good. Hello. Want to introduce yourself so listeners can connect your voice with your uh, name? I am Brandon Patton. I am Stephen O'Rourke. What is Love Sucks about? Uh, well, it is a uh, sort of retelling of Love's Labor's Lost uh, with a little much to do about nothing thrown in. Uh, it's about uh, two punk bands, uh, an all-boy band, the Molotovs, an all-girl band, the Gutter Snipes, and each band has a rule that you can only uh, sleep with someone three times. Uh, because they've they've lost uh, too many uh, band members to you know possessive domineering you know boyfriends or girlfriends and so they've just cut it all off and and three times that's it and you're out sleep with someone three times yeah you know you can have oh all. this isn't a Disney musical is it no no no, no. <laughs> we have a song that was just written called fuck 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 fuck, fuck. Yeah, which you can't email to anyone because it ends up in their junk mail. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's FCK, FCK, FCK. That FCK. ends up in junk mail now too. There oh, you go. now? Oh, wow. <laughs> the spam filters look for all the variations. F F F F F. That probably would wind up in. <laughs> the letter F has been removed from, <laughs> yeah. from the English language. Yeah, so so you have to break up with someone. Basically, the the bands it, they start out and they're having a lot of trouble with their lineups and their rehearsals and everything's just really frustrating and so they make a rule they say you know they say fuck this nobody can have any girlfriends and they're all in the spirit of the moment they're like yeah it's a really good idea it's really distracting it it screws up your mojo and then of course the two bands meet and uh, all the sort of um, not Who saw two, this coming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the two lead singers don't don't fall. They've got a history. They used to be in a band together, so they they're not they're not buying it at all. So they hate each other's. They guts, hate each actually. other's guts. Yeah. And so then the uh, the you know the bass player and the drummer and the um, uh, and, and the rhythm guitarist they've got to like plot to get those two together. So that's where the sort of much ado about nothing kind of stuff comes in. So the two lead singers are sort of the Beatrice and Benedict. And when the, when the two bands start dating each other, the, the lead singers are furious about this because they because they hate each other already and they're trying to keep a band that's sort of monastic and focused on the music. So 
<laughs> Therein lies the tension. Now, I understand that all your cast actually plays their own instruments as well. Yeah, so uh, every rehearsal is sort of like band rehearsal. I'm sort of like, uh, you know, I, I never played in a, uh, in a band, so this is, you know, my own sort of like rock and roll fantasy. You know, that sort of. Although, actually, you know what? I'm on. I'm. I'm actually just being the roadie. I have to actually like carry the guitars home and like set up the instruments, and it takes so much time actually out of every rehearsal to try to like get the amps plugged in and plug everybody in. We established the hierarchy in rehearsals very quickly. You're like, oh, you wrote this? Yeah, okay, that's the script. Okay, great. Hey, will you hold this for me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you give me? Can you give me a sandwich? I don't yeah. have. I'm, I'm, on the on the gopher. Yeah. So, so where are you rehearsing? So are you doing this in like some ghetto like you know soundproof band rehearsal studio in in Chelsea? Uh, no, no, we're actually rehearsing in this band right uh, in this uh, building right here, and and uh, there's not really a lot of soundproofing here. It's more you know for acting class. Yep. Yesterday there was a fashion show going on next in the next space to Ooh, us. Ooh, I bet they loved you. And, well, they, <laughs> they had their own music for their whatever runway thing that they were doing, and, and it was a little tr- tricky, because these aren't soundproof spaces. And they, but they were making us be quiet while they could make as much noise as possible. I guess they were paying more for their space. I, or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's a little weird for me, because actually I was kind of expecting you know, everything to be a mess. And I was like, I don't know, we can, we can practice in my bedroom or whatever. But then you know, we learned more about actors' equity rules he was like, no, you can't bring actors to your bedroom. Like, you know, it's like, show some respect. And I'm like, I don't know, we're, you know, we're desperate. I need to, you know. And uh, so it's actually been, um, I've had some pretty good spaces. Damn, right, so. actors equity keeping you from yeah, sleeping with the actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we found that. <laughs> well, no, what I've been learning is how low my standards are for my own comfort. You know, because I, I'm just used to sort of getting just totally shit on all the time. And the, well, you're and, a musician. Yeah. <laughs> and, or, you know, and, and uh, uh, I had my first experience this year with not getting shit on because uh, one of the bands I play in, it's called MC Frontalot, finally got like a real well-known booking agent to tour with. And then all of a sudden the booking agents started doing things on time. And, and, and uh, so I'm just used to sort of just everything Sleeping being a mess. Sleeping in a van. Yeah. But now, you know, we've got 20, 30 people involved in this production and it's all, it's all starting to run pretty well. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm learning a lot about, about the next level of organization. <laughs> I bring in the punk disorganization. That's my role. Yeah, that's my role here. Well, you've been holding that guitar in your lap, so I'm, I'm thinking you might want to perform a number here now for us. Yeah, I'm going to do a song from the show that doesn't uh, ruin any major plot points too much here. Um, is there any, any setup needed for this song? The setup for this show is um, is basically, this is one of the songs that the, that the guys band uh, called The Molotovs performs. And um, I'm going to have to stop in the middle... Because I there's it's, I just don't there's something I don't want to give away. <laughs> so I, I'll give you the, the first trick ending. Yeah, I'll give you the first half. Okay. Love is for assholes. It always goes wrong. It'll blow right up in your face if you hang around too long. But everybody likes to play with fire. So the smart ones learn you gotta be quick. If you don't want to get heartburn, bang, light a firecracker and run. Pow, light a firecracker and run. The only way that I feel good is when I'm blowing up the neighborhood. Bang, 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 light a firecracker and run. 
your affection Love's an infection Someone gets hurt and blurts Look at what you've done Go clear, someone's a tear So light a fire, crack and run Bang, light a fire, crack and run Pow, light a fire, crack and run The only way that I feel good Is when I'm blowing up the neighborhood Bang, 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 light a fire, crack and run Rock and roll always stays in the forefront Play it so loud, play it so loud We're gonna blow up the storefront Play it so loud, play it so loud Forget her, forget her, you knew better Forget her, forget her, you knew better Forget her, forget her, you knew better Forget her! And then I've stopped there because, uh... Something happens at that very moment. You know what the song needs? A big band brass section. <laughs> a lot of violins, a harp maybe. Yeah, harp, yeah, is yeah. Mm-hmm. harp is key. Harp is key. Big string arrangement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how uh, how easy has it been getting these pampered equity actors to get the punk attitude? Well, it was. It's funny because you know uh, some of them have been able to disguise their sort of like Broadway voices pretty well, and others, you know, need a little more coaxing to sort of uh, you know slum it a little bit. Um, but uh, um, they, they've all been pretty good. In the auditions, there were some people who just couldn't do it. They couldn't. Can you? We kept asking them to. Can you? Can you sing that? But make it ugly, <laughs> and they just couldn't do it. Casting was really interesting on this because we 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 were basically. And we had amazing people coming to our auditions, really talented people who, who were used to um, showing off their skills, right? And, and <laughs> this is punk, man. Right, right. <laughs> you got to suck. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, so what we, what, you know, we, we, the filter was like we're, we're looking, we, we still need really talented people because it's still theater and there's a lot going on and there's acting and singing and we've only got a few weeks to, you know, get the show up and running and all this stuff. So, you, you know, you can't just get somebody... Who you know just started playing guitar and all this stuff, but you still need to get somebody who 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 can evoke some anti-hero and 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 can and and can be ugly and can and, and can kind of just kind of scream and definitely not have vibrato in their voice, you know, and all this stuff and 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 capture the essence of that. And so that's really what we were looking for was people yeah. who 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 got that and people who couldn't. There were a couple of people who couldn't help but smile, like the like one of the scenes, the the two you know uh, leads, you know. Are these, you know, they're unhappy people, <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> and and they're really mad at each other. And people kept doing the scenes and smiling. Like, no, no, you can't smile. No, no, they don't like each other. And they're they're Broadway. They're used. To, they can't help it. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're not even very nice. I mean, I think I think the interesting thing about any story that kind of revolves around an antihero is is um, is really sympathizing with them. Um, uh, because any of their sort of negative qualities come out of actually kind of a sense of idealism, and the world the world is 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 shitty to them, and and so they're they're bracing themselves. It's not that they're jerks. And that that's sort of the key the, the key twist for any kind of antihero story is that you you actually you see the world through their eyes, where there's just a, a bunch of bullshit, and they're just trying to be real, and that and that's that's the key thing. So, so how did the two of you get together to write the show? Uh, well, we had worked together on the uh, A-Train plays, um, just randomly uh, found each other because, <clears throat> you know, it's a completely uh, 
random experience where you have to uh, the book writer meets at 205th Street uh, and pulls uh, a number out of a hat and that says how many people you're going to write for and then you pull that many headshots out of a bag and that tells you who your actors are and you've got to write a play on the A train that takes place on the A train and you have to have the thing finished by the time the train pulls into Far Rockaway and when you meet at Far Rockaway, uh, you pull a composer out of a hat, and I pulled Brandon twice, and then he wrote You songs. threw him back? Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to. I gotta begin. Oh, I know, you're not allowed to. Sometimes, <laughs> hey, sometimes I really wanted to. Um, <laughs> no, no, not the composer. Not Brandon. No, not Brandon. You looked at me when you said that. <laughs> you you, you made a face. You made a face. Um, yeah, essentially, the, you just... You ride the subway to the end and back, and by by the end of that, you know a, cu- a couple people have gotten involved, and and the, the show is written, and then then you yeah, have the we next. We had a few people on the show come that, the, that they participate in this, so I really I think I got to recommend this for a lot of people. Oh, it's great! It's a it's it's completely uh, kamikaze you know theater, um, but it's got an energy to it that like like nothing else. Although the first one that we worked on was I guess just about two years ago was right at Katrina. And and there was like uh, it, the the play started with like this whole uh, anti-Bush screed, and somebody walked out on uh, on opening night. They got they got offended within minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I mean, don't insult the president. <laughs> He's our leader. I was, uh, it was it was a it was a crowning achievement. I've never seen. I've never been so proud of somebody walking out on something before. <laughs> All right. So uh, love sucks. The opening date is. Uh, September 26th, and the closing date is... October uh, 6th, we have. For all uh, the performances in the middle, check nymph.org. Mm-hmm. Or... Oh, and one thing about Nymph, which I'm going to totally screw up, and all my friends and family are really mad at me, you, you have to get tickets, like, as yeah. soon as you think you might want to go. You can't just kind of wait and saunter in at the last minute. So yeah. do, do do look into that. There's the, the nymph.org website, and I think uh, Theater Mania and yeah, various or, or places Asian, yeah. to get tickets. So uh, what theater are you at? Uh, we're at the Julian Miles Theater, the uh, women's project on 55th and right off of 9th. All right. Well, Stephen O'Rourke and Brandon Patton, thanks so much for coming by and chatting and performing uh, about Love Sucks. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having us. On the boards. Billy Ray Cyrus bobbed his mullet for the Disney Channel and resurrected his career. So Bernice bobs her mullet based on the F. Scott Fitzgerald novel uh, for the New York Musical Theater Festival. And we have a collection of people here with us. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves so they can get your names with your voices. Hi, I'm Joe Major. I wrote uh, Bernice Bob's Her Mullet. I'm Stephen Ullman. I'm producing the show. And I'm Ryan Rossetto, the costume designer. Why did we bring the costume designer on? Oh. <laughs> Because it's such an over-the-top fun costume show that Ryan would be the perfect person to join us. (laughs) I bribed them. All right. Well, first off, kind of the nuts and bolts, what is Bernice Bob's Her Mullet about? And the fifth Scott Fitzgerald book isn't called exactly that. No, no, no. It's actually a short story. Um, And it's in a collection of short stories called Flappers and Philosophers. And I read that story when I was a... Is that uh, about actors? I'm sorry? (laughs) Is that book about actors? No, it's not. (laughs) But I read that short story when I was a junior in high school and thought, what a great, you know, theatrical story to put on the stage. And I put it away in the back of my mind and finally one day just decided, you know, I'm going to 
put a new twist on it, put it in the in the boondocks, and and give Bernie some mullet. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but it seems to work. So I'm excited about it. One of the things I love about the change from the original short story title, Bernice Bob's Her Hair, to Bernice Bob's Her Mullet, is you know immediately you're in for a fun ride, and that's a lot of what the show is about. <laughs> so, uh, as we talked about, there's a lot of. Ex- Extensive costuming going on. So, uh, yeah. what are some of the more fun things you've gotten to do there, Ryan? Well, this is a costume designer's wet dream. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 a fun show. You know exactly what people should look like the second they open their mouth. Um, you've got you've got people who live in trailer parks and all the wonderful stereotypes that come with that, and uh, big city. Uh, big city Arkansas life. We've got wedding dresses and pregnant teens and ladies in curlers and mullets. Um, you know, it pretty much runs the gamut. It's, it's a nice, fun show. Um, and uh, the Salvation Army is, is, should probably be one of our sponsors. Now, we're hoping the mullet gets entrance applause. but uh, The mullet should get entrance applause. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we blew the budget on the mullet. So, you know. Are you trying to lure Britney Spears for, like, a full production of this later on? <laughs> I would think That's so. I don't think she's allowed in the theater. Um, but <laughs> she, she, she'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, before we go a little bit further, let's uh, maybe hear one of the songs from the demo. Does, uh, would you, one of you like to set up this first song we're going to play? There uh, is one song that Bernice sings uh, when she's trying to figure out whether she should bob her mullet off and forsake her roots and truly belong in the city, or if she should leave it as is and not fit in. And what's this one called? It's called More Like Her, and it's performed on the, the demo was uh, performed by uh, Jen Colella, who was on Broadway and Urban Cowboy. And Broadway Bullet, we love her so much. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's great. She's amazing. Should I cut my mullet off so they don't think I'm a freak? I mean, I'll always love my mama, but I'm here for one more week. And I've dreamed of city life So I came to have a taste But if I don't participate Will this whole trip be a waste? Should I be the perfect kid or friend Since neither which is me I don't know how I should act right now or who I'm supposed to be When I was young I'd watch my mama work Two jobs to keep us fed And she could make a bill collector think Instead, she's good with people and she's ready for whatever might occur. And I'd think, why can't I be more like her? But And she's a Barbie doll in jeans She's blonde and stacked like all them ladies in my daddy's man 
But with all of her coaching and all her instruction on dressing to kill and the art of seduction, it was me in that dress, it was me on that floor, it was me by myself, leaving them. So, Stephen, when did you jump on board producing at the show? Amazingly late. A friend of mine who's a professor uh, up at the Hart School in Hartford, Connecticut of Musical Theater sent me an email, and I wound up contacting Joe through this email, and apparently he had been invited into the festival and had a producer fall out, and he was desperately looking for somebody. And I said, sure, why not? I'll read it. I read it, and I was laughing out loud the entire time. His, his writing is very, very funny. And then we got together at Joe Allen's, and for an hour and a half at lunch, this man had me in stitches. And I said, what the hell? I'll do the show for you. And, you know, it's one of these things where I didn't come in early enough to get any sort of financial partners or anything. I'm just taking the risk. I think the show is great, and I think it has a future life. And I'm in it for the long haul. And uh, you know, there we were at lunch, as a matter of fact. Joe is channeling his mother it was hilarious. He's yes, one of the characters is based on, well, not based on, I don't <laughs> want to get myself in trouble when I go home at Thanksgiving. But, Bye, Mom! <laughs> but one of, the, one of the characters that Ann Morrison plays in the show is based on uh, my own mother and how she kind of reacted to me. And so... Uh, to, to reacted to you having a nice clean-cut haircut? <laughs> no, it's not about my haircut, but, <laughs> you know, I can be a little outlandish and a little crude, like the character of Bernice, and how Ann Morrison's character kind of responds to Bernice is kind of how my mother responds to me, but my mom is not that character, but <laughs> I channeled her a little bit. The disclaimer for mom. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Love you, mom. <laughs> so, kind of on the costume and Ryan, um, how how hard is it gathering all this stuff together on lightning speed for the festival? Well, first of all, I did not get Joe Allen. I got Renaissance Diner, <clears throat> which is fine. I'm not complaining. Um, it's it's great. What what's great about doing a show at the Nymph Festival or you know something along the same lines like the Fringe Festival is you have a shoestring budget. You get to call in all your favors. You get to uh, beg, borrow, and steal, and uh, you just get to come up with really quick, easy, simple, and sometimes the best solutions for stuff because uh, it, it all comes together really quickly. You know, you have about you have about two or three weeks to put it all together, whereas normally, you know, you have a pre-production process. So it's great. It, it happens really fast and your friends help you and, and, and as soon as you know it, it's done. 
Uh, we got one more song here on your demo. Um, would you like to set this one up here? Yeah, this is, I guess, the 11 o'clock number, but, I mean, we're performing at 1, so this <laughs> might be the, the 2.15. Um, but uh, this is when Bernice kind of finally kind of has an epiphany about uh, after she'd already cut her hair and she felt duped into doing it and is angry at herself and the people who tricked her into doing it, and so she kind of uh, lashes out. She's upset at losing her mullet. Okay. She's upset about it. I'm I mean, wouldn't you be? <laughs> so uh, this song is called Cut It Short, and again, it's performed by uh, Jen Colella. I put my stock in thinking here was better than the sticks While all these city folks were just flim-flamming me for kicks They said jump, I said how high When I should have seen the lie But I was bent on winning support which I lost with my hair in that chair when I cut it short my mama tried to warn me this would happen if I came these relatives don't have my back just cause we share their name still I stayed and paid the cost I was duped and double crossed by my cousin who Screwing me as far. Well, now, how would she fare with no hair if I cut it short? If I cut it short, if I cut it. Do I really want to do this? It might cause more harm than good. Lord knows she deserves it, but that don't mean I should Just listen to your conscience Just think this matter through And ask yourself what's right before your anger gets to you Although she never asked herself if she was doing what was right When she cast me out as just another victim of her spite So don't tell me I should be the better person in this spat Cause I ain't the better person and she made damn sure of that Well she shouldn't mess with trash unless she wants a dirty fight Cause I ain't the only one whose life is changing And I've got the balls to try At the chance I'll come up dry I'll take my pride and pack And I sure ain't coming back Unless that bald ass bitch holds me to court My time here was fun But I'm done Cause I cut it short Cause I cut it short Cause I cut it short What theater are you playing at? We're at the Julia Miles Theater, which is on 55th, just west of 9th Avenue, across from Alvin Ailey. It's where the women's project is. It's surprisingly a lovely 200-seat house doing guerrilla theater like this, which I haven't done since my days at the Edinburgh Festival in the mid-'80s. 
it's it's nice to have a good facility to work in as opposed to a church. Right, and they can come see it. Uh, it starts uh, September 19th and runs through the 30th, and That's they can correct. get all the specific dates and weird times at the nymph.org site. Absolutely. We have six performances. 1,200 seats to sell. I bet I bet if you wore a mullet wig, you might get a free thing in the lobby, maybe, from the <laughs> snack bar. Maybe. I'm very eager to see how many people show up. Please dress wigs. up in a, dress up as your favorite character. Mm, yeah. Yes. yeah. All right. Stephen Ullman, Joe Major, Ryan Rossetto, thanks so much for stopping by and just talking about uh, Bernice Bob's your mullet. Thank you, Michael. Thanks. Bye. The Call Board. All right. I got a few announcements for you this week. On September 24th, Barack on Broadway, a fundraising event for the Democratic presidential candidate Barack Obama, is set to take over New Amsterdam Theater. Readings from the work of Eugene O'Neill, Arthur Miller, Thornton Wilder, Clifford Odets, Tennessee Williams, David Mamet, Tony Kushner, and August Wilson will be compiled by John Lair, Marsha Norman, and Jack Vertel. Obama is also scheduled to speak. Tickets to the event at the New Amsterdam Theater are available by calling 212-763-4853. Also, Kelly O'Hara from Light in the Piazza and Paul Zott to star in Lincoln Center, South Pacific. For more information about the show, visit www.lct.org. And the Roundabout Theater Company furthers its initiative to offer lower-priced seats to theatergoers with the announcement of Access Roundabout, which features $10 preview tickets. Get more information by calling 212-719-1300 or online at www.roundabouttheater.org. Then next, Andrea Burns, who was recently seen in the Broadway-bound musical In the Heights at Off-Broadway's 37 Arts, will perform in concert at Joe's Pub on November 5th. Joe's Pub is located within the Public Theater at 425 Lafayette Street. There's a $25 cover and a two-drink minimum. Call 212-967-7555 or visit www.joespub.com. Finally, the call board is sponsored well by me. I've got a recording studio here in Times Square, so if you or you know somebody in New York who's looking to do some recording, do musical theater, pop, rock, R&B, cover a lot. And great little studio here, and it can be quite affordable. Uh, more affordable than making the wrong choice, that's for sure. Give me a buzz at 646-345-3433 or email me at info at broadwaybullet.com if you'd like to discuss a recording project. On the boards. Little Red Riding Hood gets the Cajun treatment in Petite Rouge, a Cajun Red Riding Hood playing at Nymph, and we've got three of the people involved. Why don't you introduce yourselves and uh, so people can connect your voice with your name. Uh, Joan Cushing. <clears throat> I wrote the book Music and Lyrics. And I'm Cyana Cook. I started. I was in the original production that was in Bethesda, Maryland, and I play Grand Mare, and I'm also part of the Swamp Chorus. Yes, my name is Isaiah Johnson. I was original cast member playing the role of Tejan, the cat. <laughs> Cyana, you don't look like the grandmother type. Um, yes, I was very thankful that Joan and Michael, the director, did not go uh, in the typecasting vein. Um, I know I'm a little youngish for the role, but definitely come see. You'll be in for a She's surprise. She's funny. She's, it's a cranky grandmare. Yeah. Take after my grandmother. <laughs> and Isaiah, I understand you were in the original cast, but are understudying everything here because of a very fortunate event. Absolutely. Um, I was in the original cast playing Tejan, Petite Rouge's uh, neighborhood sidekick. And uh, Tejan just kind of comes over for dinner every night <laughs> and never goes home and annoys everyone in the house by playing his harmonica. Um, and he ends up... Is this Cajun or is this in the village? This is in the swamp. <laughs> this is in the bayou. The bayou. This is in the bayou. And uh, he ends up going on this 
terribly uh, exciting adventure with uh, Petite Ruse, the Duke. <laughs> but since the original production, you've had a fortunate event happen. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm in a graduate program at Tisch, the acting program uh, with Zelda, Zelda and Victor Pappas. Um, and I'm very fortunate to be there. I have a great company, and it's a great school, and the staff and the faculty are stellar. <laughs> so I guess for that, Joan can forgive you for not being able to. Yeah, I'm Please. very excited for him, but he was a fabulous cat, so we're going to miss him. But he's understudying all the male roles. So. Absolutely. Uh, well, so first off, I guess, what are some of the major changes you made in adapting Little Red Riding Hood for the Cajun Swamp? Well, I found this book by Mike Artell. It's a Penguin Putnam book, uh, you know, a children's picture book. And it's basically just a five-minute story, but it's um, a duck who's Red Riding Hood, Petite Rouge. Mm -hmm. And then she goes to uh, on a trip in a pierogue on the bayou to her grand mare's house, who lives across the bayou with her cat, Tejan, and on the way, instead of meeting a wolf, she meets a gator named Claude in the swamp. And his name is Claude in the book, but I turned him into Claude Prudhomme and turned him into a French chef. <laughs> Not a very good, well, he's a good chef, but he, but he butchers the French language. <laughs> and he's very funny, and um, then it's kind of a chase. But I made, um, in adapting it, especially because it's for a children's theater, we took the two main characters and we made um, Petite, adventurous and uh, a risk taker and Tejan is kind of homebody shy afraid to take risks so in the in the uh, through the play they kind of switch and go the other direction she realizes near the end that she should have been more careful and he kind of lets go and lets it rip That's and he right. plays harmonica <laughs> That's right. so before we go any further while we play one of the first songs from your recording from the first production of this um, do you want to set up the So you're going to do I'm Hungry. Um, yeah. I'm Hungry is the Gator song. We've already met Petite Rouge. She's on her journey. She's begged her mother to please let me go deliver this. And her mother finally says, all right, be careful. Go, go straight there and straight back. And, of course, she veers off. She talks to Jean into going off to a hot sauce shack, mm -hmm. get some hot sauce. And the Gator is lurking, and he, he is singing this song about what he wants. And eventually they meet. <laughs> all right. We'll take a listen. And he's, his backup is the Alligators. He's a backup group. Every morning I get out of the bed. There is only one toy in this here head. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Who I gonna eat for my next meal? Who he gonna eat? And I start the sauce Add a cup of okra A touch the moss I'm hungry Betty to cook I'm so hungry Betty Crocodile hook Turning up the heat For my next meal Turning up the heat In a separate bowl Mixing up the marinade The marinade Garlic throwing whole Olive oil the highest grade. Hey, soak them meat in. A tablespoon of fleas and a crayfish eye. Half a cup of bees and a pinch of dip fly. One slug. I'm hungry. For bon I'm so hungry. That's French for what's to eat. Looking mighty sweet for my next meal. Mighty sweet 
Dirty saucy simmer I'll be seeking out my prey Seek out the prey I'll be bossy swimmer Creatures freaking out the way I'm the king here Looking like the bump On the log I'm in the swamp By the ball I'm hungry Yes Street for my next meal. Had enough of the crickets, my fill of the fish. Squirrel on a stick, it's too messy to squish. Eel is too rubbery, trout is too blubbery, crow is too hard to pull out of the shrubbery. Turtle can't shred it and skunk how it stink. Egret, forget it, it almost extinct. Oysters, they too hard to shuck. Oh, here's something I like. It go gluck. <laughs> Cooked in the orange sauce. Duck. Grab a little feet. Pick up the beat. Got a little trick up my sleeve. Grab a little stick if you naive. I'm hungry. I'm so hungry. You cooked the beautiful the goose. Acting like a friendly guy. Guy. Checking out the food supply. Goodbye. Stealing through this one for my next That was Bobby Smith. <laughs> it's clear that the music's a lot of fun here. So uh, now this is, was originally done in Bethsaida. Why am I pronouncing that all wrong? They're gonna. This was originally commissioned and uh, produced at Imagination Stage in Bethesda, Maryland. Mm -hmm. It's a children's, a beautiful children's theater. They develop a lot of new work, at least two or three new world premieres every year, and this is one of them. So you, I understand you're rehearsing almost all of this in D.C. before. Right. So we're, we tried to get the original cast and original designers back for the festival. Absolutely. And we have almost everybody. We have two new people, and we're rehearsing down in D.C. because that's where most of us live. And then we're going to all come up here. Except for Cyanna's not down there anymore. She, you also moved to New York, right? I migrated. <laughs> I migrated north. Yes, I'm here now. But um, I was very. I'm very fortunate to uh, to still keep that contact with Joan because I'm I'm very happy to rejoin the cast. So. And also, people can stay at her place. <laughs> exactly. I have to say one thing about this Chelsea. cast. All of them. The the director's name is Michael Bobbitt. He directed and choreographed, and he decided to make it a dance piece. So he, even though everybody's a triple threat, everybody acts, sings, and dances. Dance is like the major thing. Every one of these people moves like a son of a bitch. I mean, she really moves. He really moves. So that's part of the. Whoops. <laughs> there's there's a lot of fabulousness in there. I'll just say that. Michael Bobbitt is known for his fabulousness. I mean, we're talking kicks to the face, triple pirouettes, major layouts. It's uh, it's intense. Absolutely. And the costume uh, designer, Reggie Ray, did a fabulous job with the costumes. And it's it's a really, really, really sparkling, sparkling show. And yeah, I saw some of the pictures. There are some real yeah, nice Yeah, everybody yeah. wears a mask. Like, oh, they were built on baseball caps. Yeah. And they have these masks that come down. And the swamp chorus are turtle, frog, and crayfish. Uh, Cyanna is turtle. And, um, and then they play all the other roles. But they tell the story. And... Um, so Reggie did these masks, and they're just beautiful. Except Tejan doesn't wear a mask, but he has this great cat makeup. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he has a beret with ears on it and yes. a long furry tail. A long, yes, raggedy tail and a, <laughs> and a boat neck shirt. It's kind of nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, let's play the next song here on your recording. Uh, you want to set this one up? This is um, 
Oh, I guess this actually, this is Petite Rouge talking Tejan into going left instead of right at the fork. They're supposed to go to the right, and she wants to go to this hot sauce shack because her grandmère likes really hot sauce. And it says, what is it, Clem Boudreaux's Hot, shots, hot, hot sauce, sauce Shack. Mm-hmm. Right? You like it hot, that what we got. <laughs> it's all done in Cajun dialect, too. Um, so this is Petite Rouge singing about what she wants to do. All right. She wants to venture. What you gonna do, Tejan? Spend you whole life going straight everywhere? Let everything pass you by? We out on Dubai, you, all by ourselves. Got the whole world in front of us. So many places to visit, so many paths to explore, so many friends to get to know. Petra Colombo as Petite Rouge. All right. So now what theater is this performing at for the Nymph Festival? At the 45th Street Theater. You sound uh, unsure about that. Is it good? No, I am sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things in this festival, if you only knew. I guess you do. <laughs> uh, that's just one thing. Yeah, the 45th Street Theater. And you open on uh, September 26th, and it goes through October 6th. And right. People can catch the various times and uh, dates at the nymph.org site right. or at our show. Um, and uh, so uh, any last parting thoughts about uh, Petite Rouge? 
Bring your children, bring your family members. This is a production that's welcoming and fun for all ages, all ethnicities, all races. The world <laughs> needs to see this play. It's great, and I think it really does kind of bring back the memory of the spirit of New Orleans. Um, and uh, I think that's something that you know we can all benefit and learn from and have fun with. You'll cry, you'll laugh, <laughs> you'll dance, you'll go home and try to sing as soulful as Mr. Gator himself, but you might have a hard time. <laughs> nice. Just to tag along to that, it's very appropriate for all ages. There's, there's stuff that the, the kids, the young folks are going to love, but also a lot of adult humor as well. So mm. it's, it's very entertaining for, for audiences of all ages. And also, um, you know, it was written before Katrina, but then Katrina happened right after our production. And um, so to me, it's, it's maybe in a, a way to, to bring some awareness to all the wonderful things, the food, the, uh, the language, the music of New Orleans, the culture. And uh, we're giving a dollar from every ticket to Musicians Village at Habitat for Humanity in New Orleans, which is in the Ninth Ward, which was really heavily hit. And this is the place they're building a neighborhood of homes for displaced musicians. Fantastic. Well, Joan, Isaiah, and Cyana, thanks so much for stopping by and chatting about Petite Rouge, and best of luck. Thank, Thank you. you. On the boards. Singing Locks of Hair is perhaps part of what gives Unlocked its title, a new musical playing at the New York Musical Theater Festival, though I know the writers have been developing a better explanation than that. We've got the writers and the orchestrator here with us. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Thanks you guys want to introduce yourselves so people can connect your uh, voices with your name? Well, I'm Sam Carner. I wrote the book and lyrics for Unlocked. Uh, my name is Derek Greger, a composer for Unlocked. Bruce Coughlin, orchestrator. All right. So uh, as I said, uh, this, is, this is the big question. What is Unlocked about? Derek, why don't you start talking about it? <laughs> All right. Well, I would say Unlocked is about four young adults in England in the early 18th century, uh, just kind of coming to terms with growing up and um, getting outside of their sheltered existence and, and some ta taking some chances uh, and really breaking out of, of this kind of cloistered world that they're all a part of. And it's a comedy, and one of the main characters, her name is Belinda, is a... Um, She's like the most beautiful girl in the whole area, has the most beautiful hair. She sings to her hair. It sings back to her in her imagination. She names all the locks, and there's this one lock, Beatrice, which is her favorite one, who's kind of always singing with her in the middle of all the action, and it's very, very kind of funny and, and random. And at the end of the first act, someone, I'm not going to say who, cuts that lock of hair, Beatrice. And, and what that does is it kind of forces her and all the other characters to kind of get over this this physical perfection, which is kind of blinding everybody throughout the whole show. Nobody can really see anything clearly. And Sam uses this amazing metaphor, which I think is really beautiful, of like her being like the sun. And everybody's always comparing her to the sun and how radiant she is and her beauty is so radiant. And you can't really even see things that clearly when the sun is so bright. So as soon as that happens, she's forced to kind of realize that it's not always going to be like that. And the relationships change and people kind of get interested in other people that they may have not had their sights on at the beginning of the show. And then um, on top of this, there's a whole other layer of plot, this, uh, this level of, of the spirit world. There are these gnomes who are very goofy and marching around trying to create as much mischief as possible. 
and these sylphs or air spirits who are the um, the spirits of women who had never been touched by a man in lifetime, and they're trying to protect the purity of Belinda and all of the other maidens. So before I go too further, we should listen to one of the songs from the demo that you brought in. Uh, does somebody want to set up this first song we're going to play here? Uh, this first song is called Hampton Court. It's, for, for all intents and purposes, it's like the opening number of the show. It comes about 12 minutes into the show, and it's where everybody's getting ready to go to Hampton Court which is like this, this big palace in England, which is where m most of the show is going to happen. So we're going to open with the men, the Baron and, and his brother Edwin, are singing about getting ready to go to Hampton Court, and then the gnomes are around and, and chiming in. And then the, we switch over to the other estate where the women are there, Belinda and her stepsister Clarissa, and the three sylphs. And then there's a, a scene change, a little dance break, and everybody arrives at Hampton Court, and then they sing about how beautiful and extravagant and lavish it is. All right, let's take a listen. It's time to set out to see Hampton Palace, our nation's pride by the side of the Thames. It's time and so hard to glow Hampton Hall. We'll go with For hunting foxes. Hampton Court is the spot for the sport of the chasing loxes. Hampton Court is the place. Fine wine cellars. Hampton Court has the paramount port. Is filled with Chaucer and Dryden. There, Sophocles, Cicero, and Shakespeare. There, I'll see Belinda. And with a scorn, and we will get him a new souvenir. Hampton Court. Hampton Court for the heavening short one shown. Hampton Court. Hampton Court. She's so stunning. Every squire desires a kiss. Though they're cunning, we will see that they miss. What triumph, what glory, and how? Now, I have to be lovely and captivating. Are you ready? Out of her way, oh, I will all the night. After two hours, oh, one gets tired of waiting. Not a flaw, I will draw the eyes. With the green, I will win all the eyes. Hampton's the house where I'll corner a spouse for her grave. Hampton Court is the place. Perhaps I'll meet my love, and our roles will be switched. Now it is time to go. Now, now it is time to go. Now, now. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
so now, this centering around the, the cutting of a, a popular girl's hair, so to speak, uh, this was written, I hope, before Britney shaved off her locks, right? It was. It's actually based on a poem from the 18th century uh, that was written to uh, swage a, a set of uh, warring families that were fighting because um, one of the one member of one family cut off the lock of hair of of a young woman from the other family. Uh, he was pursuing her and he cut off a lock of hair and tried to try to win her favor, but he did just the opposite. So Alexander Pope wrote this poem to uh, to smooth things over. In the show, it means something if you get somebody's lock of hair. Is that, in fact, true in real life? Yeah. A lock of hair was a token of one's affection. Um, a lady would give a lock of hair sort of um, as a as a promise of her of her affection. It, would, it was a step on the way to marriage. So, Bruce, what are the challenges orchestrating for, you know, probably, I'm assuming, it's a little bit smaller orchestra than you might want for the Nymph Festival? What are your challenges bringing about? Uh, with any small orchestration, the idea is to sort of get the highlight of the sound, do you know what I mean? Instead of getting every, like, detail of what a certain soundscape is. So in this case, the music says definitely early classical, Baroque. The gnomes are kind of Renaissance, Middle Ages. I'm guessing if it's early classical, Baroque, ideally you'd kind of want... A big orchestra, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, but the, the trick to a small orchestra is you, get, you kind of get the highlight of the sound. So we've got two strings to give you the idea of a, a, the bigger orchestra it will have when it goes to Broadway. And, uh, but at the same time, there's kind of a layer of pop. And, and for that reason, I... Um, decided to use, well, Derek and I decided that we would use a guitar. Um, and the guitar player plays electric guitar, um, acoustic guitar, and mandolin. The most fun day is the first orchestra reading, and that's, uh, well, band reading. <laughs> um, and that's on Friday, so we're all looking forward to that. It's been amazing working with, with Bruce. It's an honor to work with an orchestrator that has so much credibility and he's accomplished so much, and I'm learning a lot just looking at my music being kind of interpreted the way that he is taking it. It's just amazing. So it's a very humbling experience. Too. Yeah, Bruce, I understand you have a few accolades under your belt. I've done a few shows. <laughs> Grey Gardens, which just closed. Light in the Piazza, I was one of the orchestrators. You're in town, the Broadway Wild Party. Uh, I just did an opera, The Grapes of Wrath, with Ricky Gordon. Um, Sound of Music, Anna Get Your Gun, King and I, Triumph of Love. So you can imagine how exciting it is to be working with him. It's great. Well, let's listen to one more song from the demo. Do you want to set the song up? This song takes place after all of the characters have reached Hampton Court, and the uh, the Baron who you heard at the beginning of Hampton Court and his brother Edwin, or his, his brother Edwin rather, um, who's bookish and is really just interested in going to the Hampton Court Library at the, at the beginning of the show, stumbles upon Belinda, who's just been um, who's been surrounded by all of these men who have scampered off um, at this particular moment. And Edwin has a surprising interaction with Belinda. And they discover that they actually have more in common than it would seem. Belinda, who seems like a, um, like a ditz, actually has this dream of traveling and sort of breaking out of her cloister and exploring the East. And Edwin has been living in this cloister of academics, um, uh, sorry, of academia. And um, they, uh, they share a dream of travel together. All right, let's take a listen. Off to the east, there I'd explore. There it is bright, I'd like to see it. How would I look? What would I wear? I'd not care. Off to the east, India, call. 
try and tempt me Singing of spies thick in the air Do I dare? So why not? There is so much to explore Sally forth like Ulysses did before In the days of yore Many sights for the fair Sights to share I would quell my fear of shame the Indian Ganges side shouldst rubies find and then we travel on and, and leave, leave it all behind seas are wrong travels hard for a field far to fail do, do I dare off to the One, one other thing to say about this show is that it examines the way that the smallest event can change your life if you decide to let it. And that's, that's one thing that I, that I like about this show is that the, this clipping of a lock of hair, which, seem, which seems like the most insignificant event in the world, ends up being a catalyst to change everybody's lives in the show. Unlocked. We uh, start on September 17th. September 30th. And it runs through when? It's at the yeah, Barrow Group Theater, which like is at uh, 312 West 36th Street. It's between 8th and 9th Avenue. And you can find out the specific times for all the shows at uh, nymph.org or through a link at broadwaybullet.com. So, Sam Carner, Derek Greger, and Bruce Coughlin, thank you very much for stopping by to discuss Unlocked. I wish you guys the best of luck at Nymph. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> positive side. Hi, this is Marty Cooper once again on the positive side. I think I should call my segment tonight on the solemn side. I'm going to give you some of my theatrical remembrances of of, uh, September 11th, uh, six years ago. What I really thought was absolutely wonderful, my wife and I were on on vacation the week after. It was a practice uh, that every wedding anniversary, uh, we'd go see Les Mis. Like, we need an excuse. So we got tickets for the 22nd of September, which is my anniversary, and that that fell on a Saturday night. Went to see the show, and in a theater that holds 1,500 people, there were about 300 people. And uh, we were in the first row. And watching Les Miserables at that time, first of all, I, I had a 
there was kind of a funny feeling because uh, anyone who knows the show or knows the costuming and whatever sees that almost everyone in the army during the battle sequences is wearing a sash and there's like a a little uh, a little flower or whatever that's red, white, and blue. And I had never noticed this before. Later realizing that red, white, and blue were the French colors also, I said. Are they doing this for uh, a reason? Uh, and then I thought, no, those were the French colors also, and they were always there. you know. But uh, I listened to each song, uh, I Dreamed a Dream, uh, One Day More, On My Own. All of these songs, do you hear the people sing? All of these songs kind of sang to you that on that particular day. And then we got outside after the show, and uh, as our practice, uh, we, went, we went backstage uh, to say hi to everyone. And uh, what I found, Betsy Joslin, who was the Madame T at the time, who was kind of a quiet type person, and she would just like nod at us when she would come out the stage door. She and Nick Wyman came over to us. Nick Wyman was uh, a Tenardier, and they both came over to us and they said, uh, we were so happy to see you here tonight. It felt good to have friends uh, in the audience right in front of us. And that kind of made us feel good. Those are my remem remembrances of horrific time in American history. I'll talk about one other thing. I mentioned last week that John Owen Jones was rumored to be coming to the United States, but that was made a fact. I've seen John do it several times, and he is fantastic. I have a little remembrance about him. We were in London last, last September, around the time of the 21st anniversary over there. First night we went was a Monday night, and we had gone back Saturday, actually. On the Monday night, I was wearing a noticeable shirt that had all kinds of colors splashed all over it and everything. And as they were finishing Act One, I took out my camera phone and I tried to grab a picture. And uh, one of the ushers came over to us and said, no, you mustn't do that. Uh, please put that away. And when John came out of the stage after the after the show, he says, you were naughty. Uh, you, shouldn't have, you shouldn't have tried to do something like that. And he was kind of laughing about it. But he says, next time you try to do it, uh, try not to be that obvious with your clothes. And when we went back Saturday night, I wore a gray shirt. <laughs> so I wouldn't be seen to, uh, that easily. But actually, I didn't try to grab a picture at that time. Uh, I find people in the States do that all the time now, and uh, it seems hard to believe that they'd be that testy over it over there. Everyone has a camera phone, and uh, whatever. One other thing I'm looking forward to, I was reading about, I saw an ad in the paper for the George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion. I'm excited to see a kind of a non-musical version of My Fair Lady with Claire Danes in the Eliza Doolittle role. Uh, looking forward to seeing that. In any case, if you have any opinions about what I have to say, or if you have any suggestions, you can email me at broadwaymarty at aol.com. Until next week, try not to be as solemn as I was and stay on the positive side. On the Positive Side is brought to you by The Colony, online at colonymusic.com or in the heart of the theater district at 49th and Broadway. You can always say, I found it at The Colony. And I have given Marty Cooper officially a two-month moratorium on discussing Les Mis. Uh, if you think I'm nuts, uh, discuss it on our forums at broadwaybullet.com. 
on the boards. Is Jungle Queen debutante the cat fight of the century? We'll find out shortly as it starts during the Nymph event. We have got Thomas Tierney, who's the composer, and Heather Parcells acting in the show. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Hi. Hi. So, uh, uh, first off, the very first question, what is Jungle Queen debutante about? Jungle Queen debutante. I like to describe it as Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Dames at Sea. <laughs> it's it's basically Comparing Dames at Sea definitely it, includes it, the theater. Yeah, it's in there. just this. It's a wacky, fun show. It's about a young Connecticut debutante whose archaeologist boyfriend goes off to find the lost city in Peru, and um, he he's we find out he's captured by a jungle queen. His girlfriend Sarah must go and, and rescue him because his letters stopped coming. Turns out he's captured by the Jungle Queen. And then a lot of other things happen, and, uh, including the catfight of the century. We have the mob there. We have a, a Bengals Jolie. She's the Jungle Chanteuse in the middle of Peru. So there's a nightclub in the middle of the jungle. There's the Italian mob. You've got a lot of things in 1955 swirled That's around right. into things. You know, so it's, it definitely keeps you on your toes. and It's kind of wacky. <laughs> and uh, Heather, I assume you're playing the, the titular character there? Well, I'm playing the debutante, which is so nice <laughs> that Tom and, and, and Gwen and Susan decided, you know, Heather, we want you to stop dancing and sing for us. And I was so <laughs> excited. I was like, thank you. I don't have to do a time step. I don't have to do anything. So yeah, You've been dancing a bit recently, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I've been dancing a lot. <clears throat> what show would that be? Um, well, for uh, eight shows a week for the past year and two months, I've been playing Judy Turner in a chorus line on Broadway, which has been fantastic. God, has it already been over a year now? It's wow. been over a year. Well, our what Broadway our Broadway started September 18th, so we're coming up on that year mark, which has been a little... It's been very, very tiring. It's been fantastic, amazing. I'm on a bus. I'm on a poster in Times Square, except for they just took that down. So. We'll continue here in a second, but why don't we start off by playing one of the songs from the show that you have on a demo here. Great. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about this one before we play it? Sure. It's called uh, Queen of the Jungle, and this is the first song that uh, the Jungle Queen sings when she greets Richard, who is Sarah's boyfriend. He first comes to uh, uh, the jungle, and he's captured by her minions and, and the Jungle Queen. And I might like to add, um, yeah. the Jungle Queen's being played by Amy McAlexander, who we all saw play the youngest sister in Little Women on Broadway with Sutton Foster a couple years ago, and she is a little spitfire. Wow. Mm -hmm. Just wait. She's amazing. It's she true. really is. That's true. All right. <laughs> now you hear in my jungle, soon you fall neath my spell, soon you my special charms in my soothing arms I'll be well Join the beasts of my jungle Taste the fruit of my trees You be like jumping fish in lake You for me to take as I please I'm the queen of the jungle Queen of all that you Everything in the jungle belong only to me. In the light of the full moon, when the magic is right, Jungle Queen, take a mate, and it's your fate to be made
I'm sure that's very nice of you, but, uh, but I really couldn't. You see, I'm, I'm here on a grant from Harvard, and, and I'm spoken for. I, I have mate. Her name is Sarah. We hear no more of this Sarah. Now you belong to Jungle Queen. Kukiwa, Kukiwa, Kukiwa. That's me. Now, silly man, I your everything. You love me now. I am your queen. Kukiwa, Kukiwa, Kukiwa. Now you stay in my jungle where your life be serene. You forget everything in past. You belong at last to the queen. Here we make Pichu Pichu. Here we sing a happy song. Here you love me forevermore. Like I said before, you belong to the queen of the jungle. Where the lost city lie Buried deep in the jungle Where nobody passed by In the time of the full moon When the star beams burn bright Jungle queen get the edge Light of three stones converge in the in the city with the queen, queen of the jungle. The magic will happen, come with me, tonight is tonight. Now you're lost, lost in the city with the queen, queen of the jungle. jungle. Queen, take a mate, and it's your fate to be made tonight. Now you're lost, lost in the city with the queen, queen of the jungle. Pretty queen, queen of the jungle. All right, so it's clear you're going to do a lot of fun stuff in the show, Heather. Uh, what are some of your uh, favorite Oh, my gosh, some of moments? the favorite. Well, first off, I mean, I get to shoot the rapids in a canoe. I get to hack people in a, with a machete. People jump over cliffs. Um, I definitely, my favorite thing, I think, is flying in a rickety airplane to get to Peru in the middle of the jungle from Connecticut. Um, we have some fantastic, you know, Tom wrote some fantastic tunes for this show. So Tom, what was your kind of inspiration idea behind the story? Well, the, in the inspiration came from the book writer, Sean O'Donnell, whose the idea this was. He actually wrote it as a play first and then worked on it as a musical and decided he want wanted to find a new composer, so a mutual choreographer friend of ours said, Tom, I think this might be right up your alley. So I read the script on a plane. I was reading like three or four scripts looking for new projects a few years ago. And I just started to laugh on the plane. <laughs> Couldn't stop laughing. I thought it was really funny. And I said, you know, as soon as I get a minute to work on this show, I want to do it. So about a year later, when I, you know, found myself some time, I started working on it. So, so this has been in the works a while. And uh, so how was it scheduling with Chorus Line? For the, was it hard to get them to let you do this? Or well, you... you know, it's funny. It worked at a really opportune time. This is actually my third time uh, doing this musical. I did it first as a reading for the York Theater with Tom, and then we did it again with Hell's Kitchen Musicals, who are now the co-production um, producers of this, um, la last year, actually, at the very start of our run. And when... Luckily, we came up on that year where the contracts were negotiated, things were, you know, in the in the in the bucket, so to speak, P 
pot, bucket, you know, <laughs> one of those. Anyway, so they're being mixed around. And anyway, so um, basically what they did was, was I said they had this new, lovely new clause of furthering your career. And I was like, well, you know what? This is a lead. And it's a singing lead. And I said, you know, I'd really like to do this. And they said, are you going to forego your, your vacation time? I said, sure. So I'm actually taking basically what they consider a vacation. Um, I'm taking five shows off. Um, the week of September 26th and five shows off the second week, the following week. And they were really okay with it. They've been really, really great about letting me out. And I'm looking forward to it because Gwen and Tom and Susan and everybody have been really good about orchestrating rehearsals around my schedule. So I've got a great group of producers, great group of friends. It's fantastic. And, of course, we were very lucky that she was able to, you know, the timing worked out. The NIMP Festival came along, and we could do our performances at that time. And... So I was flattered they held out for me. We sure did. <laughs> All right, let's play the next song from the from the demo here to give people another taste. This one's called Pack. That's right. So uh, you need to tell us anything more about this? Well, um, Sarah in Connecticut is at a finishing school, uh, which is run by her aunt, the elocution mistress, um, Norris Westwood, her aunt Norris. They both have a problem. She's decided, uh, Sarah's decided she must go to Peru to find Richard because his letters stopped coming. And it turns out Aunt Norris, not only is she an elocution mistress at the finishing school, she's also an agent for the government. And it turns out Richard doesn't know it, but he's sent to Peru for the government on a mission. And anyway, so she has to go to Peru as well. So whenever there's a problem, when you lose a man, when things go wrong in life, her answer is pack. All right. Now listen, dears. When a Deb reaches a certain age, she must write a new chapter on life's sweet page. When a Deb wants to gain entry to the respectable gentry, there is a skill that is elementary. When you feel blue, depressed, or down, there is a tonic in town something that'll give you just what you need something that'll lift you up guaranteed when your life is a last lack and your psyche is on the rack there's a simple solution pack 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 your latest love is absentee you'd like to climb the Ringing up your daddy to pout and cry Never dries that little tear in your eye Don't behave like a maniac Get your mind on the proper track Darlings, when there's a crisis Pack, pack, pack Pack, pack, pack today Pack your cares away So I always say Don't go to pieces Get down my valises and get me off the floor point me toward the door don't care when or if i'm coming back can't we simply begin at this minute it's time to pack you'll soon be cruising down the open road your burdens lifted no more 
way to something that is shiny and new Some fortune and some glory and a lover or two So if you're tempted to hold back Give your bottom a little whack Sweeties, when you're in trouble Don't waste a second, begin it, listen it That precious classical ritual A woman's right to Pack, 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 pack No looking back, just pack I just wanted to let everyone know that um, Ms. Norris Westwood, who's playing my aunt, she's being played by Donna English, who's been seen on Forbidden Broadway, Off-Broadway, and she also was in the original company of Ruthless. When's the first date and the last date that people can catch the show? September 26th, start date, October 6th, end date. And uh, that's at the Roy Aries Theater, in fact, right upstairs that's here. That's right, yeah. right in this building. <laughs> on, uh, Times Square Art Building, yeah. On 300 West 43rd, I know yeah, that that's address. Right. Yes, that's we right. know where we are. Fifth We're floor. Here. Fifth floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Thomas Tierney and Heather Parcellus, thanks for coming in and talking to us about uh, Jungle Queen Debutante. Wish you the best of luck. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Come see the show. Top of the trades. We're running out of time, so I'm just going to give you the... Two big highlights. New Line Home Entertainment will release a DVD of the hit film Hairspray based on the Tony-winning Broadway musical of the same name on November 20th. Visit the official movie website at www.hairspraymovie.com for more information. Also, the news we announced last week, a date has been set for the MTV broadcast of Legally Blonde, September 29th, so mark your calendars. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and we'll be back with more NIMF coverage next week. Thanks for hopping aboard the Broadway Bullet. I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live after all. It is live.
So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc., to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans, if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.